It is great to be here this morning. If you have your Bible, please turn with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter number 11. I appreciate Dr. Dunsford, Miss Judy, and I'm grateful for this wonderful staff that the Lord has put together at the Rock of Ages Ministries. All the missionaries that the Lord has given, folks ask all the time how we get such great high caliber missionary families, and honestly, it's just the Lord. It's God and his grace. If you have your Bible this morning to Hebrews chapter 11, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the scriptures. Please stop by the display tables and get some of the missionary prayer cards and remember to pray for us. We look forward to this evening as well. Hebrews chapter number 11, I'll begin reading in verse number one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. And by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not, yet, uh, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Our fathers, we bow before the throne of grace. We thank you for the stirring and moving of the Holy Spirit of God in our midst already this day. We thank you for the faith of this church. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to serve you in such capacity to go out into the fields of the world and the highways and byways and the hedges and highways and thus proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would ask you now this morning that you may give us power. Lord, may you season our words and our lips with the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. There's one here this morning that is not saved, who has never bowed their heart and confessed their sin, repented and turned to the Lord. This morning I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would draw that sinner to Calvary that they might be saved. Bless, I pray, if there's one here that the Holy Spirit of God has been dealing with, and Father, you have been drawing to the work of the ministry. This morning may that heart be surrendered, yielded completely without reserve unto the will of God. Bless, I pray, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. Quite some time ago, I began to pray and seek God's will concerning the matter of our Rock of Ages Sunday here at Bible Baptist Church. For some reason, the Lord overwhelmingly impressed on my heart the subject matter of faith. I began in the book of Ruth, and recently at our Alabama campaign, I preached on Ruth, an example of faith, and I had all intentions of preaching that here this morning. But the Lord has led me to Hebrews chapter number 11, and I want to share with you just a couple of three things for a brief moment that we find in our text concerning faith. 
Hebrews chapter 11 is the great faith chapter of the Bible. Every single individual that is recorded in the pages of Hebrews chapter 11 is given as an example for you and I to live by and to learn how to live by faith. Faith is mentioned in the Old Testament two times. In the book of Deuteronomy and in the book of Habakkuk. It is mentioned 229 times in the New Testament. I would like to go to the book of Deuteronomy this morning and let's examine the first mention of faith in the Bible. For there is in Bible doctrine and Bible teaching what is known as the law or the rule of first mention. In our Bibles, when we find the first mention of certain words, terminology, or theology, or doctrine, that theme carries through the entire pages of God's eternal word. And so I believe it is vitally important this morning that we examine Deuteronomy chapter number 32 and verse number 20. The Bible says, and uh, really if we had time, we would read from chapter 32, verse 9 through 18, dealing with the large portion for his people and Jacob. But notice in verse number 20, the Bible says, And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be. For they are very forward, are very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. And so the first mention in our Bible of the word faith is God rebuking his people for the lack of faith. And when we study the scriptures, with few exceptions, other than Hebrews 11, for the most part when faith is used in the Bible, it is dealing with folks who have no faith or little faith. And God is trying to teach his people what it means to live by faith. And so this morning, by the good grace of God, I would like to speak for just a moment on the subject matter of faith. And I believe in order to examine the first mention of the Bible of this subject matter, I will feel it necessary this morning to lay our foundation and then I'll give you two of the uh, three opening men that God uses as an example of faith. Notice in the book of Deuteronomy chapter number uh, 32, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says that he made him ride on high places of the earth, that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock, butter and kine and milk of sheep and fat or with fat of the lambs and rams of the uh, breed of Bashan and goats and the fat of the kidneys of wheat. And thou didst drink the pure blood of the grape. And may I just say to you that in the context of the scripture, that God had offered to Israel and Jacob the very best of the land. But Israel, when God had provided for them in such magnitude, in verse number 15, they had become complacent. 
Their hearts had come become satisfied with that which God had given them. And with that satisfaction, there was a turning from their faith and believing in God to supply the best. You see, they had become conditioned to expect it from God without meeting the requirements that God had laid before them. The Bible says in verse number 15 that they waxed fat and they kicked and they were waxen and they had grown thick and they had forsaken the Lord. And may I say to you, according to our text in Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse number one, that faith is not a leap into the dark. Faith is a leap into the light of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith is believing God and taking God at his divine word. Faith takes hold of all that grace has to offer in your life and in mine. In the book of Ephesians chapter number two and verse number eight and nine, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I'm glad that that day in 1977, along about June, I bowed on my knees at an altar in a morning service and by faith I reached out and grabbed hold of the grace of God and received that day all that grace has to offer in my life. The Bible says in Romans 14 and verse number 23, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so the first mention in the Old Testament has to do with God's people who were rebuked for a lack of faith. Now briefly in the New Testament to lay a foundation to our text. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6 and verse 30, the first mention of faith in the New Testament merely says in the closing verse, O ye of little faith. We have heard much about testimonies this morning. The songs I have noticed that God in his divine providence has ordered and put together dealing with substance and faith and yielding and sacrificing and surrendering and committing to the things of God. But in our context of our first use of the word of faith in the New Testament, we'll go to the book of Matthew in chapter number 6. Notice, if you would please, in verse number 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. Go with me to verse number 26, and let's skip through some of this. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much more than they? And this is the context of God saying, O ye of little faith. And so God is again rebuking his people because they are unwilling to live by faith and trust God for the basic necessities of life. In fact, he says the fowls of the air, that God takes care of them. They don't gather into barns. They don't go out and reap a harvest, but the heavenly Father feedeth them. And then he closes the verse by saying, how much more are ye than they? Do you know in the context of our scripture 
that God is literally saying to the disciples that if we are not willing to trust God for the very necessities of life and if we had time to read all of its texts, he's talking about food and raiment and clothing. And he said, all these things do the Gentiles seek. And your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of them before you ask. And what God is literally saying is when we are not willing to trust him for the very necessities of life, we have abased ourselves and put ourselves below the animal kingdom. God said, they trust me. I provide for them. And how much more are ye? Notice in Hebrews 11 and verse number 12. Notice in our verse number two in our text. The Bible says, for by it the elders obtained a good report. And those that are mentioned in Hebrews 11 are those of days past. Every single man or woman found in Hebrews 11 They are there because they have a distinct characteristic about their faith that caused God to use them as they yielded their life to God's will. And this morning, I would like to at least examine one of those briefly this morning. Notice, if you would, in verse number four, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Notice the hallmark of Abel's faith in this passage of scripture. The Bible said, by faith, Abel offered unto God, and watch these next three words, a more excellent sacrifice. May I submit to you this morning that the hallmark of Abel's faith is that he provided a more excellent sacrifice to God on the day when sacrifices would be brought before the throne of God. He was willing to bring his very best and lay it on the altar of God. Unwilling to bring that which he provided with the works of his own hand, by faith he brought of the firstlings of his cattle or firstlings of his sheep, that lamb, and offered it as a sacrifice unto God. And may I say to you this morning that Abel is an example of you and I that we should give God our very best and lay it on the altar of sacrifice and quit giving God our leftovers in America. I was preaching through the Bible a few years back at the, I said preaching, teaching through the Bible on a series of little mentioned names in the Bible. I came across... Lot's wife. And you know that Lot's wife, her name is never recorded in the pages of God's eternal word. In fact, though her name is not mentioned, the Bible gives us ample insight into her character. And this morning I'd like to share it too briefly with you in our text. We'll look in Luke chapter 17 and verse number 29. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, 
he which shall be upon the housetop and watch this and his stuff in the house. Let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. And this is the only three things said of Lot's wife. Three words in the entire Bible. Remember Lot's wife. Now I ask you this morning, what is it that God wants us to remember? Not much is said concerning Lot's wife in the Bible. In fact, in our text in the Gospel of Luke chapter number 17, we have more recorded in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. But I believe God is giving us two things concerning his wife, and I would like to bring those to our attention. Notice he says this, in that day which he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. Notice that God, after making this statement, says, remember Lot's wife. He is speaking of the disciples and what will transpire in the end time. And he merely, after giving the statement, he says, remember Lot's wife. And so he is tying Lot's wife to the truths that he is trying to convey to the disciples. His stuff is in the house. And may I say to you this morning, I believe one of the reasons why Mrs. Lot turned and looked back as they were entering or exiting out of the land of Sodom and Gomorrah and was turned to a pillar of salt is because she was concerned about her stuff in the house. Remember the Lot chose the city life. And there in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, as they left because of the pending judgment of God upon Sodom and Gomorrah, and the Bible gives us that there were five other cities destroyed on that day. And we find that as she walked out of the city, the question has been asked, why did she look back at Sodom and Gomorrah knowing the judgment that God had put upon those who would look back? She looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah because her stuff was in the house and God said to the disciples, remember Lot's wife. May I just say to you that Mrs. Lot was not willing to forsake what she had on this earth. She was unwilling to sacrifice or to forsake her earthly possessions and the earthly goods in which they had obtained in the land of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as they're going out of the city, she looked back upon Sodom and Gomorrah and there in the city she was looking back and longing for her earthly possessions. That tells us she was unwilling to trust God with her future. She was more concerned or more secure with her present status in Sodom and Gomorrah than willing to trust God to supply something better in the days ahead. She was unwilling to forsake her stuff for the testimony of God. May I remind you she was following her husband 
They were doing exactly what God had asked them to do. They were fleeing the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, although the Bible does say that the angel of God literally grabbed them by the hand and pulled them out of the city. They were still in obedience to God. And there may be those sitting here this morning that is obedience to the will of God and yet there's a longing in your heart for the stuff in this world, for the things this world has to offer. I'm persuaded today that many are not serving the Lord in ministry and missions and in other capacities of ministry because they're unwilling to release their stuff unto God. Cain, uh, the Bible says that Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. He was willing to forsake his earthly possessions. And then notice the Bible says, let him likewise not return back. Mrs. Lot had her heart set on her stuff in the house and she had her heart set on her security in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. My friend, to live by faith and to step out by faith, we must be willing to give up our stuff and we must be willing to put our security and trust in his great provisions. Someone came to Hudson Taylor, that great missionary, and said, Hudson Taylor, what is the great secret to your faith in God? And he simply said this, I'm not a man of great faith. I'm just a man who's learned to trust in his great faithfulness. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, you say if I had just a little more, I should be very satisfied. You make a mistake. If you're not satisfied or contented with what you have, you would not be satisfied with a double of what you have. I thought about Miss Sarah and Miss Holly. Miss Sarah just stepped off of her full-time employment about two weeks ago. I think about Brother and Sister Sosby, who recently did the same. And God is meeting the needs, being willing to lay out their stuff. And there may be those here this morning, you'd step out and do something for God. You'd become a missionary with the Rock of Ages or one of the other mission organizations. You would step out by faith if you could only come to the place to let go of your stuff. Three times in 33 years we have served as missionaries, we have sold everything we own. And every single time I can testify that God gave us much better when it was all done. Uh, We started in our first home, and I'll not take the time to tell the deplorable condition it was in, but we lived in our very first home Rad and roach infested. And I remember having to turn the lights off at night, would count to 1,001 through 1,010, turn the lights on and go to killing cockroaches. We could hear the rats playing in the walls and in the ceilings. I remember... We were faithful to give of our tithes and our offerings and our missions and been involved in giving to the work of God and when we didn't have much. 
And God always met the need. Never one single time did God ever fail. I remember when we sold out and went full time, we had $125 a month coming in. And we believe that God wanted us to go full time. And I know that God does not call everyone to do exactly the way we did it or exactly the way maybe you have done it. But I do believe that God calls and God prods and God leads. And, and I believe that as we stepped out, God met every need and God never failed us. And I remember when we moved into our first motor home and we had to say to the children, we don't have much room, so you've got to pick out your three most favorite toys and the rest of them we've got to give away or get rid of them. And one of the hardest days of our life is having to say that to our children and walk away from a job and walk away from uh, provisions that I was able to provide through employment. But my friend, we stepped out and in the providence of God, he never failed. Not one time did God ever fail. I was preaching in the state of Missouri at the Bible Baptist Church and um, we had just stepped out by faith and a gentleman came up to us after the service and said, Brother Ellis, the Holy Spirit is overwhelmingly impressed on our heart uh, to help you and your wife and we'd like to support you on a monthly basis. I said, well, we need to talk to the preacher. He said, I already have and the preacher said, it's okay. He said, if you wouldn't get offended, we'd like to support you at $500 a month for six months. I said, brother, you can defend me all you want. Went to the preacher and he said, it's fine. He's given literally tens of thousands of dollars to the church, does this for missionaries all the time. It's fine. We were nearing the end of six months. In fact, we bought a motor home and went into the bank there in Tunnel Hill and I tried to get a loan for it and the loan manager looked at me and he said, what's your income, what's your debt? We had a debt of $150 a month on a car payment we had. We only had 125 coming in. He said, and Mr. Ellis, you're asking for a loan to buy a motor home and you're already $25 upside down? What's wrong with you, son? And I told him, I said, God's called me to be a missionary and buy. I believe God wants me to go by faith and I need this motor home. He said, well, I'll be honest with you. You're not going to get it, but I'll take it to the president of the bank. He's here. We're getting ready to have a board meeting today. He said, but I can tell you, don't get your hopes up. It's not going to happen. He excused himself and went to the back. He said, I'm just going to run it by the president so I don't have to waste my time and yours calling you back. He went back and was gone for a little while and came back and a bit scratching his head. He said, you know, he said, I can't explain it. He said, I told the president you had $125 coming in. You already had a $150 debt. You wanted to buy a motorhome to add another couple of hundred dollars to it. And he said, I told him, uh, you know, I told him you wouldn't do it. He said, who is this guy that would ask such a thing? He said, he's a missionary. A missionary, what does he do? And he said, well, he's going into the prisons and going to go out and, and told him what we'd be doing. And he said, the banker looked at him. He said, you know something? I'm going to take a risk on the old boy. He said, if he's, if he's crazy enough to ask me for the loan, I'm crazy enough to see if he can get it done. 
We loaded it up and went to Missouri and that very service that morning, the first one after that, we got $500 a month. God took care of the need and God supplied for the motorhome, the car, and got us gas to get on down the road a little ways. But I believe when the state in Tunnel Hill, Georgia and cling to our stuff and been unwilling to leave our home and go out and do something for God, we'd still been struggling to make ends meet. But God supplied the need. You see, the truth of the matter is, I'll be done in a second. Truth of the matter is, some of you are waiting till you get everything in line. Every duck's got to be in a row. Let me tell you something, friend. If you're waiting good on every duck in a row, God will see to it your ducks never line up. So she looked back and saw her stuff and her home and her security. And I've got to tell you the rest of the story and I'll be done. I'll finish tonight if the Lord will let me. We went on out to Missouri and we trained with one of our missionaries and Brother Larry Skipper was the chaplain. It was coming time for us to leave and I had two meetings scheduled in the western half of the United States one in the state of Wyoming and one in the state of Washington. Right before we left, the gentleman came up to me and said, you know, Brother Ellis, the Lord's impressed something on our heart for your family. And said, here's what we'd like to do. We'd like to pay off your car for you and get rid of that debt, assume your motorhome debt, and increase the $500 a month to $1,000 a month if you won't be offended and that's okay. Well, I didn't tell him, but I was thinking you can offend me all you want. We went out west and I was going to Wyoming first and the man in our church came to us and said, Brother Ellis, that 20-foot brave Winnebago you've got? He said, son, that's built for South Florida weather. That's not for Wyoming and sub-zero weather. I said, I understand, but I've got to go. God's laid it on my heart. He said, if you go, I don't want you on my conscience. I'm putting a new set of tires on it. Another man came, unbeknown to him, and said, you know, Brother Ellis, if you get out there, you're going to break down and your family will freeze to death in that sub-zero weather. And I don't want you on my conscience. We're going to put another heater in that thing for you. Another man came and said, you know, there's hundreds of miles sometimes at certain hours. You'll not uh, see a gas station open or anywhere you can get fuel and you'll get out there and break down and freeze to death and I don't want you on my conscience. We're gonna put another fuel tank on there and they did. And this went on and on. One man in our church came up. He said, now, Brother Ellis, I'm telling you right up front, God's not in you going west in the middle of the winter. I said, I understand you, but God's put it on my heart. I've got to go. He said, I pray God you'll not get out of the city of Jefferson City without your transmission going out. God's my witness. Mrs. Ellis can raise her hand. Am I not telling the truth? We got to the second red light the morning we were pulling out, went to go when the light turned green and the transmission went out. He said, I told you so. We took it in to a mechanic in our uh, church and he said, Brother Ellis, I can't get that transmission going. It'll take me a week. He said, the only way I could do that is if I replaced it. I could pull it out and put another one in in a short time. I said, I gotta go somehow. 
He was getting ready to close his shop that afternoon. And he went through and turned all the lights off and he had to turn them off at his breaker box because of some wiring issues. He had cut his mane. And he went back there and he called. He said, Brother Ellis, you're not going to believe what happened to me. He said, I was going back to the breaker panel to turn the mane off to shut everything down for the evening. He said, and I looked over and I noticed a crate sitting there. I thought, what in the world's in that crate? He said, it had been there so long I'd forgotten. He said, I went over and, and looked at it in the label. And he said, it dawned on me, I remembered. Somebody a few years ago had ordered a transmission for a vehicle and it wouldn't work. It's been sitting here all this time and I forgot about it. He said, I pried it open and looked at it. He said, Brother Ellis, you're not going to believe it, but it is exactly the transmission you need. And it's not rebuilt. It's a brand new transmission from the factory. And if you want it, it's already out of inventory. I'll drop it in. I said, drop it in. We're going. We got to Wyoming and they said, Brother Ellis, this is the mildest winter we've ever had in the history of Wyoming. I'm telling you, God uh, takes care of us when we are willing to leave our stuff and we're willing to step out by faith and leave this world and leave the comforts of home and trust him with all of it. She looked back and forsook her stuff. Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. I'm gonna close now. How excellent is your sacrifice. You say, I'll do something for God. When? You've got it so figured out, God can't even interrupt your plans. When? Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Sacrifice. 